The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Wednesday is upon us as Arlen Suderman joins us from FC Stone. Not a pretty day in the markets. I think, Arlen, you said cotton was the only thing that we saw a positive trade on today. Yeah, and it struggled, but it had some modest gains. But pretty much across the board, uh, we were red across the screen on all the other ag commodities. The, uh, the grain and oil seeds are being the meat sector. Uh, pretty much the funds selling the ag sector. They've been bearish the commodity sector uh, really for the last 14, 15 months, and the ags especially. Uh, and uh, it, it goes back to the philosophy that if the dollar is higher, and if we have an ongoing trade war with China, there's going to be decreased demand for our commodities, and especially the ags. It includes the energies as well, but especially the ags. So, therefore, the quote-unquote safe risk is to short the commodity sector. Now, periodically, we'll see crude oil rally when Iran is making headlines. We'll see corn and soybeans rally, or we did this spring when unprecedented planning problems are making the daily headlines but once those headlines dry up the market goes back to its default mode and that's to short the commodities and especially the ags and while doing that we saw corn and soybeans in particular today break through some critical chart support and when that happened the momentum traders really kicked in we hit sell stops we accelerated the losses and we headed another leg lower um, the chart suggests we could continue to do this. I would suggest that history tells us that uh, that momentum will continue to take us lower. We will periodically see buying on the brakes, but this pattern will likely continue until the fundamental data becomes available to prove them wrong for doing so. And then I would anticipate that it will tra- change and flip and go the other direction. Um, but for now, the path of least resistance with the momentum traders is down, and that's where they're taking it. Now, looking at, obviously, the August 12th report, which is so much looming, are you going to see those institutional funds kind of waiting for some sort of data, some concrete information to come out to be able to re- react well, some more? Well, I think they're expecting it to be a bearish report. They largely believe the USDA's 89 million acre, excuse me, 90.7 million acre corn planted acreage. Uh, and, and frankly, there's a possibility USDA will come out with another acreage number that high in the August 12th report. Uh, we simply don't know what USDA's thinking will be. Uh, on the yield side, they're going to be using satellite data and farmer um, surveys, um, you know, what are those going to look like? How do you know what your corn's going to yield when it hasn't even tasseled? Um, so uh, there's a lot of mystery around it. I don't remember another year when we had so much mystery about the size of the crops at the end of July as we do this year. Uh, and looking back at the last 40 years I've been involved in the industry, um, it, it's a frustrating one. Do Has my opinion changed on it being a short crop? No, it hasn't. But uh, if, in fact, it is as short as I believe it is, we probably will not have data to back that up for quite some time yet. 
and uh, as late as these crops are maturing. And and so in the meantime, we're going to feel the pressure likely of this uh, speculative selling. You know, we've seen, and you've talked about this this entire time, that weather has and will continue to be such an integral part of the way we see these grains trade this year. And here we're sitting, tomorrow's the 1st of August, and I'm already seeing frost talk. And hopefully we're not anywhere near that point as of yet. Well, I think it's automatic when you turn the calendar, get ready to turn the calendar to August, because we haven't turned it yet today. Although I've turned my calendar already to August, uh, that automatically people start talking about frost. And um, there's one forecaster in particular who is uh, forecasting increased risk of an early freeze this year. Um, The other climatologists and forecasters that I've talked to uh, laugh at that notion. Um, believing that uh, there's too many signals that point otherwise. I would say that there are an increasing number of signals that indicate such risk um, that could be out there, but the majority of the signals are still for a a warmer September and October, uh, suggesting maybe a later than normal frost. Uh, But even a normal frost this year is going to be damaging to the crops. Well, it would be good news to see see the delay in that and some warmer temperatures, especially when we look at the soybeans and how far behind they are, especially when we're just setting and not, not setting pods really yet, but we're still in that early bloom stage. Yeah, and we really need rain. Um, you know, typically July is the, the month that uh, makes or breaks the corn crop, and August is the month that uh, makes or breaks uh, the soybean crop. And as we look at the, the July we have an area across the southern half of the Midwest that saw um, uh, below normal rainfall. And in much of Iowa and, and uh, Illinois, it was significantly below normal. And as we look at the month of August, uh, we're going to have to have that uh, pattern change. And, and uh, while many of the models and indicators would suggest that August will be a wetter month, I simply do not see that playing out in the forecast yet at this point so that's a real concern going forward so are we going to see i know when you talk about this august 12th report beyond that we hear the of the annual crop tour is that going to be delayed because the crop is delayed are we going to see things go as normal yeah yeah i i anticipate and i have not heard any notice of a delay so i anticipate everything's going to be normal schedule so the crop won't be as mature certainly be delayed but at least we'll get a picture inside the fields Good things happening that way. Stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up. Of course, it is a Wednesday, which means we are going to get an update on the African Swine Fever Talk, especially some news stories, get some clarification on some numbers that were released earlier today. More's coming up. You're listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman joins us for part two. Let's talk a little African swine fever, Arlen. I know that there was a story that was released earlier today, and I'm really glad that you've got more concrete numbers because they were talking in the story about China had lost 13 million tons of pork and that said it was equal to the entire yearly production level for the U.S. And I find that number a little off, but you've got some more concrete information. Well, and we've been estimating a shortfall of better than 16 million metric tons in China. Uh, of course, our pro- our production loss estimates for China are larger than most with our people on the ground there in China. Uh, we believe that hog production is down 
um, right now at uh, more than 45% from year-ago levels. So that would mean that on an annualized basis, they'd be feeding 320 million fewer hogs this year than what they normally would feed. And that's, in order to match that, you'd have to take all the hog production on an annual basis in Canada, United States, Mexico, Brazil, uh, Europe, Ukraine, Australia, almost the rest of the world to try to match that loss. So that puts in a little bit of perspective. Now, um, when you look at the, the shortfall in meat, we're also counting on an increase in poultry and fish production, offsetting some of the loss in pork. So the loss in pork would be much more significant than that, than the 16.2 million metric tons. But that 16.2 million metric tons would equal about 27% of all U.S. meat output all, all combined. So that is a huge amount of meat shortfall. China is uh, pulling from their reserve right now. But we are seeing signs that they're slowing the release of pork from the reserve as supplies tighten up because they don't want to have it flowing out at the regular, you know, at the full pace. And then all of a sudden it runs out. you got panic in the streets of China. So they want to ease back on supplies so they tighten more gradually so the market can start to adjust to it. Meanwhile, they're also importing a lot of pork from Europe. Europe had a significant stash of pork in its freezer, and, and there are indications now that its freezer is about empty. And so we're anticipating we're going to see a significant increase in China trying to find pork elsewhere in the world as well as other competing meats as well uh, as we get into fourth quarter of this year. Whether they, how significant and how aggressively they buy from the United States is yet to be determined. But they are buying from the United States. They are taking shipment from the United States. But if they favor other nations, that means they're displacing other customers who will then be coming to the United States. And as that raises U.S. pork prices, we see the consumer in the United States being price sensitive, shifting toward more beef and poultry. And so it should lift the entire protein complex. It's just going, it's just taking time for that to happen, kind of as anticipated, but we still see it on pace to do that. And I see some work as well from the Chinese government, from the city governments, to subsidize some of those pork producers and asking the banks to be there to help them out as well. Yeah, and I saw a story this week, and what China is, is doing is uh, they've put on uh, mandated quotas for production in some of their larger producing areas. And so in China, historically, when you get mandated um, quotas of production, depending on what the industry is, it really encourages falsification of records, um, bribery, and uh, and really deceit as, as people try to save their jobs by falsifying the record and saying it's happening. It also may mean um, that they may overlook some African swine fever disease problems because Taking care of that would reduce production, and they don't want the they don't want to miss the production quota. So it may actually make it more difficult yet to slow down and stop this disease. So I really get concerned about those uh, production quotas. They are trying to provide the financial incentive um, and insurance guarantees. I think is one of the critical things. Basically, saying go ahead and take the risk to produce, and if the disease gets you, we'll back you up with the insurance. 
Um, but it's going to be tough. You, st- you still got to keep the disease under control, and, and they simply have not been able to do that yet. Yeah, we did. We saw a story talking about it. It's uh, ending up in Slovakia as it spreads and continues to move around. It really does, and I've seen indications of significant losses, maybe over 20% or so of the Vietnam uh, swine herd um, in other countries around there, similar type of numbers. So it is spreading beyond China and that part of the world. On the cattle side, are we seeing some follow-through pressure continuing to develop on the cattle market? Uh, we are, and I, th- I think hogs are the leader here, and it's really... A little bit of a mystery why we're selling off the hogs when we've got cash hogs rapidly rising. Uh, we've got pork product prices rising now, um, but the funds are selling off lean hog futures. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen? INTLFCStone.com. And, of course, they can find you on Twitter as well? Twitter.com slash ArlenFF101. And that's a look at the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.